Welcome to the Big Screen Symposium 2018 podcast. The Big Screen Symposium took place in Auckland on the 26th and 27th of October. Please note, while many of the speakers used clips in their sessions, we've edited these out to better suit the podcast. Fremantle's Director of Drama, Joe Porter, joins Philippa Campbell in conversation to discuss her experience developing, producing and selling the trailblazing six-part Australian television series, Picnic at Hanging Rock. Together, they explore the powers and pressures of adapting a beloved novel and the process of navigating a co-commission. Tēnā koutou katoa. Kia ora. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome. My name's Philippa Campbell, and I'm very pleased and proud to be here today with Jo Porter from Fremantle to have a sort of conversation with Jo. She's going to do a vast amount of talking, and I'm not going to say very much at all. That wasn't the agreement. <laughs> um, and just one of the things we're going to attempt to do, so if I don't see you, we, we, we're we going to work through a bit of a timeline of the production of Picnic at Hanging Rock. Um, and I thought at various stages we might sort of open the um, session up for your questions so you don't have to sit there desperately waiting to ask a question about development in 45 minutes. You know, So we'll try and, try and make a little bit organic in that way. But there will also definitely be time for questions at the end. So Jo is the director of drama at Fremantle since uh, she's been there since 2012. A few little Kiwi connections in there, especially in terms of actors. Yeah with Danielle Cormack and Wentworth. Mm. And Robbie Magaseva. And Robbie Magaseva, who we, both of whom we miss. Mm. How Sorry. dare you, yeah. Um, or just on loan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also Wonderland, yeah. which you co-created before yep. Fremantle. Yep. Um, so many, many years of television creation and production and also now running a company slate mm -hmm. for television. But we thought we'd start off, unfortunately I missed this morning, but Joe was there and was being very inspired by the provocation of the conference, tuning into the zeitgeist. So just to start off with that, how does that for you, since this morning, relate to Picnic at, Picnic at Hanging Rock and the adaptation? Um, it was a really inspiring opening couple of um, keynote speakers, I'm sure we all agree. It was just really interesting to hear how, what framed them and what drew them to tell the stories that they're telling as filmmakers. For us, it was, it was zeitgeist in two ways. There was the, the economic climate that was informing the choice of the sort of programs that we were wanting to make. In Australia, we're seeing that for our local broadcasters, um, their, the number of episodes, the, the types of shows that they're commissioning is being reduced and they're, they're looking to do big, noisy, splashy pieces of content that more and more have uh, international partners. So that, as a producer, it draws your eye to the sort of stories and the sort of the ambition that you might have to bring a piece to screen. But then from the creative and the storytelling part, we really felt that when we looked at what was a, a story such as the novel Picnic at Hanging Rock, which was written back in 67 by Joan Lindsay, we felt that there was something that you could really say that was fresh and meaningful about that novel, framing it in the conversation that we were having, really about female identity and, and women's role in society. So, and that's just, as we all know, just growing and growing and growing with the whole Me Too movement as well. But So it, it felt like all of us were all informed whether it's for cultural reasons, you know, that wonderful story from Africa and how powerful that, um, that film was and what that meant. 
to, to as a, a white woman, looking at how the stories that I can tell that I feel can make a contribution to the conversations that we're having at, at home and, and also that will, that will travel and will be meaningful abroad as well. That take ideas from Australia to Australians and enlarge their view of themselves and also then yep. internationally because it is such a quintessential... I mean, it is. It's it not, is. It, it could only come out of Australia. Yep. It's so interconnected. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've all heard, you know, that the idea of something that has an incredible lo local specificity to it but that speaks to a, a global truth. And I think that's what's really working for us that aren't playing in America or England that we, that we can, um, as content creators, bring to the world, which I think is quite unique. So I'm going to start where you start with this. Yeah. So we're going to whiz through three and a half years of Joe's life. <laughs> Benjamin Button, let's age backwards. <laughs> Um, and I found this really nice quote from Joan Lindsay about the book because kind of the first pitch, I think we won't go through all the pitches, but I counted out there were like about eight to ten different mm. pitches to different kinds of people, different kinds of organisations, financiers, key cast, whatever, as you went through that three-and-a-half-year mm. process. It's true. Um, so the first one is to the estate mm -hmm. who have the rights and... I, I really love this quote from Joan Lindsay because I thought, gosh, this is, this is a really kind of, like, this is a big deal. Um, and I'm interested in how you developed that, what you, what you said to the estate. So this is a quote from Joan. I wrote the book as a sort of atmosphere of a place, and it was like dropping a stone into the water. I felt that the story, if you could call it a story there's a provocation, mm. that the thing that happened on St. Valentine's Day went on spreading out and out and out in circles. Mm. So when you went to speak to the estate, what did you say? We used a metaphor of a doll's house and that the college, the, that idea actually that the, the inciting incident, the disappearance in the rock and the, the secrets that were, were then exposed as a result of that, it, for the estate, um, they'd been approached many times before for an adaptation. And they were, the big thing that they were absolutely locked on was uh, the period in which it was set. People were making pictures for making it a more contemporary version and so forth. And we also felt very organically that it could only be sent in 1900. Two reasons around that. Uh, it's, um, it was the year before Australia was federated. And so I think for Australia, it was a time of identifying for, in a white culture of our identity. And also it was just around the time of um, the female vote. And so for women and their own sense of um, emancipation, that was also, a, a, that was also, it would have had, I don't think there was an accident that she chose to set it in 1900. Yeah. I think both of those two factors were part of it. And uh, Barbara Mobbs, who is the, um, the estate holder, um, that's who we had to make our pitch to. And, uh, she loved it, and it, it was, from that point on, I have to say, even though, you know, spoiler, there's many bumps along the way, <laughs> it was, it had an incredible energetic thrust towards being made and to getting to the screen, and uh, it drew a lot of talent and creatives to it. And who was the we at that point? It was myself and uh, Anthony Ellis, who was a writer who was part of our internal team at Fremantle. And then we brought in a, a group of um, writers, Alice Addison and B. Christian, who went on to become the lead writers. 
and uh, they sort of broke it out and sort of made a pitch that we then took to the estate holder. Okay. Um, and it didn't take very long for you to get the rights. No, they no. She was she came back really quite quickly, and we were on tender hooks, yeah. and um, we were just so delighted. And and you know, any time you tackle something that's so beloved, uh, you're very aware of you've got a bit of a target on your back because people have an attitude towards it. But we just sort of reassured ourselves that we love this book, and um, in our interpretation of the book to bring to, to screen for television that we would try and honour it and at the whole way along. And that's, that was, was sort of really our, our, our North Star throughout the whole process. It is, it is terrifying, isn't it? There is that mm. don't stuff it up kind of yeah. terror. Yeah. <laughs> there is. And challenge. Always. Always. Every day getting out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> right here. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, I took... And, and, you know, some people, because the Peter Weir adaptation of the book into that, you know, an incredibly... Um, important Australian film that really helped define ourselves on, on our screens. Was, and that was 1975. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's right. And so we felt, you know, that people were saying, oh, why would you touch it? And we, the big note we've just kept coming back to is we're not touching the film. We're not, re, we're not make, remaking the film. Why would you? But we felt that there were things to be said about the novel that he couldn't explore in, an, in, a, in a film format. And that in the, the interpretation that we were making in, in uh, what was it, 2015, we had different things to say. Very consciously, we put around it with creatives was a predominantly female-led team. All our writers were women. Um, our producer, Antonia Barnard, a woman, obviously, and other key crew were well. Because, again, that felt for us something... It, written by, it was written by a woman. It's a story about women. It felt like it was a way to sort of bring a different... I don't know, authenticity or a different interpretation. Different female vision. gaze was, a, a, was, a, was an idea that we used throughout too. And mm. director was female, too. lead director was female too. So after you got the rights, you had a brainstorm. You brainstormed a series outline. Yep. Um, and I, we had a conversation um, a few weeks ago when Joe was in Australia. <laughs> Uh, one of the things you said, which I wrote, scribbled down, was development is everything. And I underlined it. I think you said it a couple of times. So... And I think it's really helpful for us, I mean, just to acknowledge also that Fremantle as a company has the capacity to back its own development, yep. which I imagine, you know, you would have had to have pitched it into Fremantle yep, we at did. some point. Into our London office, and they were so excited. This, they were so right behind us from the get-go. And often, you know, you... I mean, so we'd taken it out as a space to broadcasters, the, the few that we felt could meet the scale and ambition of what we wanted to do with this. And they were intrigued, but they couldn't quite believe that this quite slim little volume could be made into what we always felt was going to be six hours. So the challenge was on to us to sort of show them that. But we didn't want to enter into a, um, a development deal with them that may have constrained our ability to tell the story the way we felt we wanted to tell it and, and be tied up to them. For They often have first and last matching yeah. rights, as you probably know. Uh, so we backed ourselves and we, we developed a Bible and sort of plotted out the whole six hours and we had B. Christian write the first hour of the um, So that's piece. quite, I mean, I won't ask you for the figures, but that's quite a lot of development mm. commitment from your company yep. to get, to, have, to give yourselves the freedom to get 
to a stage where you can act when, when you know the yeah. vision and then you can express yeah. it to other people. And you wouldn't do that on every project, but we believed in this one so much and so we were prepared to back ourselves. Yeah, I, I think that's quite a, an interesting point yeah. to make. Yeah. And the first episode, how many people were involved in this first writing? I mean, there were the two writers that ended up working yeah, on the so, whole series. So B and Alice were in the writers' room, also with Anthony, who's a writer as well. In fact, he's worked in New Zealand, um, Mirror Mirror, years ago. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. with Posey. Um, so uh, they went away, wrote the scene breakdown, and it came back really quickly, which is always a good sign. She just found it. She found the voice, and uh, she's B is a playwright in, by background and uh, her poetry in the way she, she paints with words was such a good fit with Joan Lindsay's, you know, we often called it, you know, at times a mood poem because that's where, or an enchanted chiller because that was, oh, we, that's nice. yeah, we like that one too. <laughs> <laughs> Use that a bit. But, <laughs> but, um, because so much of a thriller is what your own mind projects, like we were hearing today about, you know, the ghost story, um, a ghost story about what you project onto mm. that with your own experiences. So there were three writers doing that, that, yes. that first yeah, series and brief and then B went off and wrote the first episode. Yep. And you took it to the broadcasters at that point yep. and got a commitment from Foxtel. Yep. Foxtel came on really quickly and said, yes, we love it. And that was where I felt at the time it was the best home for it within Australia. They really understood and, and, and like... Their ambition is to make Australian content that sits along the best in the world, and hey, that's what we wanted to do too. And you know, and Penny Wynn, another great Kiwi. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> so, so she was um, a, a great supporter of it from the beginning. And I mean, from our experience on top of the Lake Foxtel, were also wanting to position themselves as the home of premium drama. Absolutely. So that was absolute timing Absolutely. for their ambitions and yeah. what you and I were doing on different yeah. sides of the city. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Because um, that's a commitment from a broadcaster, isn't it? It is. But then, you know, that's part of the finance pie and yeah. then you've got to then bring in everybody else and get the money up to the... This was, you know, for me, I've, I've come out of a, a TV background that is much more of an episodic nature and um, this was a budget that was three times the sort of budget that I would be used to dealing with and it needed that. It was a 100% location shoot and we knew that... Because of the mood poem, the visuals that are so much a part of the story telling on this one, it needed a much more filmic um, approach to the storytelling. So that needs time and that needs money to fund the time. Did you hit on or did B hit on the structure? I've only seen two episodes, so I'm, I'm not going to do lots of spoiler alerts and I didn't have time to do the binge. But this won't ruin anybody's enjoyment of the series, but this, the, this sort of flashback structure... Mm -hmm. um, where the mystery is established and then you flash back to explore psychological implications, implications of, of, yeah. of how people got to that situation. Yeah. At, was at, that an early discovery of how it, to it go was. about telling, retelling the story? Yeah, it was also a back to that idea too of the pebble in the pond and then seeing it, how it impacted on the, the, the five, six main characters and what that, the secrets of that exposed of themselves and, and, and you got to know, you know, you'd peel it away and you'd get to know more about each of them and 
and that their true, you know, the, the, we would always say that the rock would expose their, their true, true self. Yeah, yep. that's the thing about genre, isn't it? Mm. And that's what the rock has to do mm. as, the, as the mysterious, mm. you know, force, mm. I suppose, mm. yeah. It's useful, isn't it? Yeah. Forcing yourself to kind of think, is that actually the truth? Or yeah. are we exposing enough? Yeah, and B would always argue there are multiple truths too. Mm. She sounds pretty fabulous. She's very fabulous. <laughs> we love working with her. Okay. Um, so you began, where am I? I'm on the timeline. We're in May now. So we're, you know, we've, we're a year, a year mm. since the beginning. This is 2016. You begin writing the remaining five scripts. Yep. And so we took that before, at, at about that same time. So we're now gearing up for, like, you know, you're working towards you know, a, a date on a calendar that the, your commissioning broadcaster is sort of saying to you, I'd love it to be on air, blah. So you kind of work your production schedule back from that, don't you? And um, so be, as part of that, we went and had some initial conversations with US broadcasters mm -hmm. uh, because we felt, and our London office, our head office for distribution felt really confident that this was going to be a show that had huge international appeal. And we had great meetings and we were able to share with them B's beautiful script. And they were really interested, but we didn't yet have those other two crucial pieces in place for them, which is the director and in particular the cast that they can hang off their, their, their marketing of the show around. And so they wanted to wait. They, they would wait until you got... They want, yeah, wanted to... Who was more important, the director or the cast? Yeah, the chicken and the egg. I think it, it's it's you've got to have a director that is going to be able to bring you the cast. Yeah, I think is ultimately how I would it would the cards would fall. But yeah. sometimes if you have written to a every show is different. But sometimes if you have written to a particular actor and you've got them in, on board early, they may help you bring in the bring director in the that direct, they love yeah. working with. Yeah, so it, it is a chicken yeah. and egg. Okay, how many? Um, I mean, I'm skipping over the financing a little bit. Yeah, but. I think it's helpful for us to know how many different financing partners you had going into official pre-production, because I know yep. there was a, another one joined. Yeah, so, so how many parties did you have contributing to your budget? The finance model was pretty standard for any Australian drama. So there was the, um, the broadcaster who would take both a licence fee position and an equity position. Uh, soft money from tax rebates, uh, investment from Screen Australia, our, our peak film body, and our local um, state agency, Film, film Victoria. Victoria, who were um, really, were, they saw this as a very important story for Victoria. We actually were approached by um, South Australia and we genuinely <laughs> considered, well, the film was shot there. So, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and, yeah. and they, they made a very compelling argument to bring us there too. And... Um, and I think in many ways the, the deals on offers were, were similar-ish. Film Vic went very aggressive, but it also felt that this was actually a way to differentiate ourselves from Weir's film mm. by mm. shooting it 100% in Victoria and using those locations that were there. Okay. So just quickly, any questions to now? Tina's just asking to find out a little bit more about how the writers were selected and engaged. A, they've got to want to do it. And it's got to be a book that they want to spend their time working on. Uh, you look at people whose previous body of work would fit within where you're wanting to take it. Uh, a, a factor is often 
does a broadcaster back them too? And is a broadcaster going to be comfortable that they're going to have the capacity to bring something to screen? And, you know, you've got to want to go on the journey with them too. So it's, um, it, it's all those factors that sort of come in and, and sometimes availability too. But we were, we were really, really lucky uh, on this one that, um, that they, we had so many people come to us wanting to be part of it and we were able to um, have exactly the people of our choice. Mm. I would imagine there would be a bit of a line of people being It was on amazing. Door. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It, it, I've never experienced anything like it before. Interesting. Yeah. Any other questions for me? Yes. Um, six episodes, was that a network dictator? No, that was our feeling from the get-go, yeah. But to get to be able to confidently say six, we had broken it out to sort of know and portioned where we felt the story would go over the hour so that we knew. Like, I think had we looked at that and gone, I mean, which has certainly happened to me on other projects, you look at it and you go, nah, you know what, it's bigger or often smaller because you want to just really make it so tight, yeah. It is bold, isn't it, going from that slim volume to six? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but in the book, there were so many clues that Joan Lindsay left behind. I always call it like these little threads that the writers could sort of tug at and out would tumble all these questions, actually, that they could use to inform potential backstory and also where it was going to go. So she, she left a lovely lot of crumbs for them yeah. to sort of pursue. That's good, until they got to the witch's house. Yeah. Yeah. The rest, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, October 2016, and we sort of got to that, and in this process of putting your financing together mm -hmm. and getting your market elements together, yep. because here is a show that is full of ambition. Mm -hmm. the, one of the more ambitious shows, or ambitious in a different way for Fremantle. Oh, I think from for scale, for the, most scale the most ambitious and that we've had today. And international impact. I mean, mm. Wentworth is being remade and God knows how many yeah. languages are hugely successful. Mm. But this is a different kind of scale, isn't it? It is. And so it needed, we needed to bring to it directors that would be meaningful to, in particular, a US broadcaster. Yep. But also had the ability to be... Often had a filmmaking background. Uh, so... And my, my preference was that they were, it was a woman because I just, again, felt that just gave us something new to say. So that became a real, uh, a bit of a, um, a process of elimination. And, you know, they also had to be approved by a broadcaster. So you've got all those things that you're juggling and availability as well. And how did you hit on Larissa? She was introduced to us by a colleague in, um, who had came across from Sundance who just joined joined our company, a guy called Christian Vesper, who had been tracking her career in the States. Uh, she just, she, he loved her, what did he call it? It was a really good description, her muscular approach to direction. So even though this is a film about women, in, a TV series, I should say, in women in white dresses that could be gauzy and sort of breathy and stuff like that, he loved that with her characters, and I think he was right, that she earthed, she really made them, more muscular, so it was like sort of mm. quite gutsy, so that these became, and I think in so doing, they became a more contemporary woman, actually. So it had more relevance for a contemporary audience. They weren't just delicate creatures dancing through the bush. They were strong women. And actually, that was how Joan Lindsay wrote them. So it didn't feel like it was a deviation from the book. You know, um, the character of Miranda is perceived to be this sort of very ethereal, airy, 
wispy creature, but in the book, and certainly the way we chose to play her, she's a girl from the country, she grew up around horses, there's passages where she jumps down off the buggy and opens the gate. So Very physical. Yeah, and there very, were real clues very, there. Very, real capable. Exactly. Capability, physical yeah. capability. Yep. And then, so Larissa had that, and she'd also worked on big American TV series that were all about visual storytelling. And how did she respond to the material? And she loved it. So she was a Columbia University grad, so a complete film nut, uh, knew more about Australian film than <laughs> me, <laughs> lots of people. Uh, and... Um, Loved, loved it and was just, she was, she wanted it. She really, really wanted it. So that was also great because you want someone, because it's tough. So to go on the journey of, you know, this was a very physically demanding shoot too, she, she wanted to do it. And it created a controversy. It did. So we didn't set out to, to hire a non-Australian in that role. Um, in actual fact, we went through quite a few Australians that ticked those boxes that I mentioned earlier. But I, some of them I couldn't, they either, there was a, a couple of respectful passes because they felt the legacy of the film. It's too much. Yep. Yeah. And I respect that. And then others I couldn't quite get them over the line for an international um, meaning, having meaningful enough credits at that particular time for international or for our domestic broadcaster. So I felt that, well, we all felt that if this was a way to elevate and give us the chance strategically to take a... She was only going to direct 50%, always only going to direct 50% of it. So um, it, it felt it was a way to take... She could take us with her into an American marketplace. So there was a that was also part of the strategy behind yeah. it. Yeah. And it was... I mean, it's interesting just politically in terms of the above the line that your writers were absolutely fundamental to the success of mm. the series. And they could show the quality of their work right from the get-go mm. so that there was no question. No. But, but realising it mm. is, is another whole other negotiation for you with your financing partners. It is. And uh, on that, the, the, back to, you know, I said earlier, the magnet of the script, she just loved Bee's writing. And it was, that was just... Oh my God, it was amazing for her too. Mm. So I wanted to honour that and, you know, bring it to life. Bring it to the screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So she's there, and the controversy begins. Yep. <laughs> and it was very hot. I mean, you know, Australia's a much more vigorous culture. It must have been really difficult. It I, I was can imagine if I was in your situation, I would have hated. Well, the, it was. It was. It. it was really tough um, because I, I don't. I look going back again. I think we could have done our messaging better with yeah. other stakeholders. I understood uh, why people were concerned. Um, I think the other thing that happened at the same time, and this was the hard bit for me on a personal level, was um, it was the real rise up of, well, Hillary had just lost the election in, in America. It was November. And so I think women were furious, and <laughs> I was too. And, um, and, they, and so it, somehow it morphed into an issue about Australian women. And the frustration for me was I always wanted a woman in that mm. role. And mm. so, yes, Larissa was not Australian, but she was a, a woman. And so it became quite messy in that, in, in, in that unpicking. And so the criticism around the female part of it, 
I, I found personally upsetting because I, it's, it's something I just believe in so strongly. Yeah, and have actually acted on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. But she stuck, I mean, she was well, there. Well, yeah, it was tough on her because it, it became very, very personal and, um, and embarrassing because trades were picking it up in the States mm. and, yeah, it, it was embarrassing. So that's a kind of heightened mm. situation to begin yeah. all the work and all the collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. with an enormous crew, Australian crew too. Mm. And that's, I can imagine that that was interesting and yep. complex. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and you cast Natalie Dilmore in January. Yep. We're nearly at the first day of principal photography, guys. Don't worry, we're getting there. How are we going? Are <laughs> we're we, doing all right. She was right. Yeah. We are going to need seven <laughs> We are going to, yeah, yeah quite <laughs> easily. Uh, um, and so you've got your director, the director and the script bought. Natalie, yeah. Natalie, yep. And ha did you have many respectful passes from other actors before you got her? There was a couple. Right. Yeah, it's quite hard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take to find her? Um, a couple of months. Yeah. Oh, it's also windowing. And, you know, yeah. the other thing that we've got to accept is not everybody, people have partners, children, dogs, and they don't always want to leave them behind and come to our neck of the woods for... A long time. Yeah, it was like three months. Yeah. So... So it's really different from... Mm. It's not nipping across to Europe and you can jump yeah. home on a weekend. Or 10 days on a movie. Or, yeah, yeah it's a it was a big time thing. commitment. Yeah. Mm. Oh, but the, so, so she obviously didn't have partners, dogs. She did. She had a partner and a dog. <laughs> okay. Did you meet them? I met the partner. He was lovely. <laughs> That's good. And the dog, I'm assured, is very charming I'm too. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> you, you probably saw photos of the dog. I did see photos of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> I, I was interested, and, and already it's in the, in the timeline that Joe did for me. It's fascinating because there's a already, you know, it can, it's partly where you are now with it. But the pressure of marketing is something that you observe through this history, mm. where the the marketing internally and presumably also because you did hit the front pages as a bit of a scandal. Mm. So it was important to regroup and find a way to to take the story back to its audience, yeah, I guess. that's true. I think the, the first part of it, I mean, you're, I hadn't thought of it the way you'd said it at the beginning or the number of times you pitch a story and you never stop doing it right through till you get, take it to your final audience, mm. being the viewers. But um, the next step for us was a... So we were almost re ready to go and needing to bring on an international broadcaster. So we had these beautiful scripts. We had all six of them by then. We had Larissa on board who was, um, I mean, she's now done a deal with Amazon. That's how she's got an overall deal there. HBO adore her. It was a bidding war for her. So they all were really confident and loved her visual style. She did a lookbook too, I should have said too, that really broke out the, the visual language of it all. Uh, so, and, and of course, it had then placed Natalie Dormer as our mm. lead. So then it was, okay, but you're still in Australia, you know, who are you? A little <laughs> bit, really. And so what we decided to do after 10 days of shooting is we cut a reel and to show them, no, we're not just making this up when we say this is got, this it will have scale and it will look like this. This is what it's going to look like. So who cut that for you? Was that a trail, special trailer no, cut and marketing or it was one Larissa. of your editors? 
Oh, it was Larissa. Yeah, Larissa. She was busy. Oh, my God. She did, did not sleep, that woman. <laughs> wow. Uh, it was Larissa and um, well, and a um, assistant editor, actually, yeah. cut it at night. Yeah. And so on the strength of that yeah. um, and conversations with Larissa, Amazon came on board, which was brilliant. And at, at that point, it meant that we could... Uh, expand our shoot even further and really just work to deliver the production values that they were demanding and we wanted to do. And you wanted to do and you probably were worried enormously about your budget. Yes. But we won't that go into that in too. great detail. Um, so these are the statistics that you've given me. 13 mm. weeks main unit shoot. Yep. Seven weeks of a full second unit shoot. That's a lot. Mm. Oops. Um, two weeks shooting on a country location. 23 locations. 131 main unit full-time crew and uh, 71 cast. Yep. Some days you'd go to set when, when there were some of the bigger scenes and it looked like a football match, the car park in terms of the number of cars. It was, in, it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it just makes me I know. The, the production tired. office were extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, they really were. Yeah. That's a lot. And, and, and I think it was a 100% location shoot. Yeah. And it, uh, Jo Ford was our wonderful uh, production designer. And uh, she, she, she and her team found all these incredible turn-of-the-century locations that we, they would dress into, but they were often historic houses, so it meant you couldn't um, attach stuff to walls. You which had bang in something. No, but no. even like light stands and stuff like that, you had to be so, so careful. So it was a really fragile, um, and we were so lucky to shoot there, but um, it's tricky. And did you shoot it just from a scheduling point of view? Did you, did you shoot in blocks? We did, but... So or shoot it location by location? Uh, it was going to be two blocks, first three and back three, but then Larissa's ambition was greater than our original schedule. But, you know, she got these gorgeous images and uh, that was what was getting them in. So we, had, we, we, we backed her and um, supported her vision there. And so that did mean at some point you had both crews. Right, that you, was one of yeah, the reasons why yeah. you had two crews. And also we had a hard out for Natalie Dormer. So we had to just bring them in, get them in. How many ADs did you, first ADs did you have? Did you have someone scheduling and, and rescheduling and, and then Sometimes two people out, out yeah. on, the, on the road kind we, of thing? Yeah, we did at one point, yeah. yeah. And Brett Popperwell, who works for us at uh, Fremantle, but he came on and he stepped up and um, became a pr producer with me on it. His background is originally as a, as a first, so he was able right. to sort of really help give big picture on that too. And did you, presumably you were cutting, at, I mean, the, the, the cutting room was going from yep. day one? Yep. Two editors? One editor because at the beginning, right. well, sorry, it was the ultimately beginning. there was two, yep. but yeah, so the first editor was working behind Larissa's rushes and then yep. um, we had both of them going. And how many assistants? Uh, one each? Like, no, there was just one very hardworking assistant. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Have to save money somehow. <laughs> but uh, no, I think we did end up getting two at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When she was falling down, boom. But no, she was amazing. And you did just, this is a producerial question, you did a marketing and still shoot. Yep. Towards the end. Towards the end. Was yeah. that a complete pain in the ass? Yeah, it's a nightmare, but you have yeah. to do it. Yeah. And because also, you know, you, you, you try and do it. I think that's the other thing that's happening more and more in our industry for film, uh, TV, I should say, which is more of a thing that for filmmakers you'd be used to, but the importance of those key art images to sell 
to sell your show, particularly in a VOD environment where decisions by consumers to press play is it's a postage stamp on, your, on their screen. And so it has to be such an arresting image that sort of somehow is a storytelling tool too and synthesises the show down to that one little thing. So um, we're lucky with Fremantle, we have a big internal marketing team and they'd worked with Amazon previously on American Gods and um, knew that you can get lost in the slipstream because they're com com commissioning so much stuff. So we did our, a lot of stuff ourselves. And they came up with their own um, key art that was used um, everywhere. The idea of that was this sort of, there's a psychological thriller aspect to it within her. Mm. And that's, I mean, that's very, that, that's a thumbnail. Ooh, that's, yeah. that's very arresting, that image. Yeah, yeah, it slows down the eye. And, and I mean, it's interesting to note, I mean, you work for a big company. I'm an independent producer, but have made, only made something mm. big within the support service of a company, yep. bigger company. That support's terribly important, isn't yeah. it? So if you're working independently, you need to find that, you need to bring people yeah. in and have the resources in order to work at this level. Yeah. It's it, really it, tough. It, it, it is tough. I think you can get gobbled up and you've got to try to hold firm on what mm. you, you know, back to the pitch, what message that you're wanting to try to take through. And it was also really interesting, and I know Jane was the same on top of the lake, but as an auteur, they want their vision to go the whole way through. Because I know you were saying how across photography she was too. Yep. And just, she doesn't want some dodgy still to sort of represent well, it just her. wouldn't happen. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not, so, not, yeah. not an option. No. 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 Well, which is, I mean, just going through your experience and thinking about, you know, the, the great advantage in having the recognised auteur. Mm. You know, she was our she was our card. We could always play yep. the Jane card, if you like. Mm. Um, and you had a, a, a more collaborative, well, you know, a, a collaborative, adaptive yep. card and a vision that came out mm -hmm. from the book through the scripts. Then with your lead, your lead visionary director. Yep. Yeah, and who, it was her, and she's she's a creative consultant or yep. something on the way. Yep. So clearly, she was over. She stuff stayed right through the, the very through. end. Yep. Yeah. And um, through to... Had you imagined that would be what happened or was that just something that evolved? No, because in television, the, the, the sort of TV that I'd made is that, you, is that a director would normally not have that sort of cradle-to-grave involvement. Yeah. It, that's much more of a film, film. Yeah. model. But I think it was great. We really benefited from her, her obsession over detail and particularly visual obsession over detail. Were the... Sh did you shoot the scripts? Uh, yep, pretty much. It was and interesting. I went back and looked just the other day. We had to submit Ep 1 for something. And even though we absolutely changed, as you usually do, changed a lot around structurally, actually across the whole six, because it, you know, it is a completed piece, you, we did move bits around. It pretty much held together. And you together. go back and forward in time yep. all through. Yep. It's got a very complex flashback structure. Mm. Um, and... Series producer, can you just talk a little bit about how that role worked or script producer? For B, Christian? Yeah, yeah, for B. So then as changes sort of came through, it became clear that we needed, and, and I think in the cut process too, around additional dialogue, voiceover and all the rest of it, it became clear you needed to have the one voice. So whilst Alice did an amazing job of writing Eps 4 and 5, we it became, we, we needed just a, 
a burnish across them all, right, just to okay. sort of really keep that. Um, so she same was voice. there to hold the yeah, hold the heart. Yep, and, and, to, and to keep the vision yeah. clear from a scripting point of yeah. view. And in so the cup, which in the cup, but also was she sort of rewrite HQ during the shoot because yeah. yeah. things always need to get rewritten they do. for various they reasons. Do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was her role. Yep. After a certain point, yeah. Have Alice you, did a, took them a long way, but then yeah. she did she did a final pass. Yeah. And is that a, is that a role that you'd worked with before? Yeah, always actually. Oh, okay. That's a much more traditional television model where you would have the someone with the, yeah yeah okay. Any any questions? I had one a while back. Oh, oh yeah. yes, go for it. Yeah. Um, did you say about the, the promo reel you showed us that um, after approximately ten days of shooting, you put that? So it, was that all footage from the first ten days? Of yep. Yeah. Wasn't a specially designed promo no. reel. No. Yeah. 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 No, that's that's true. Okay. Yes. It meant we didn't have to claw back. Which is a nice thing to not have to do. <laughs> Thank you for that. Very well yeah, put. Thanks. Very succinct. <laughs> um, you picture lock, actually. That's something else because that's always sensitive. I mean, we have, you, you know, you have revealed some tricky things behind the scenes for us mm. today. Yeah. So it would be... Chapman House. Yeah. Yours, I should well, say at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, um, but picture lock, can you talk about how that worked in terms mm -hmm. of your director, your creative consultancy, the scripts, so, and your partners. Yeah, so Amazon had um, a, a, a cut approval as well. As well as Foxtel. Yeah, as well as Foxtel. So that was a shiver, I have to say. Uh, but I needn't have worried. Um, so it, 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 we were lucky because they shared, a, they shared taste. Right. And so there wasn't any, because that could have been you know, Christ, I mean, ectoplasm yeah. on the floor. But um, that they were, they, they were of a mind. And so they really, yeah, drove it in a certain direction. I mean, there was still uh, one episode where uh, for an American audience, there was some further cuts that they wanted to make. They felt there may have been an assumed knowledge around the story for an Australian audience that they wouldn't necessarily have the case of for America, which is actually helpful for all of us for international sales. And uh, so we made a few tweaks that way that Foxtel were okay to go along with. So but, you made um, one version. I thought that was, particularly nowadays, in you can only make one version, I think. I mean, I, I, you cut different versions, didn't mm, you, on top of the did. lake? Yeah. yeah. I just felt that it was important that you know, piracy is such a thing. I just, mm. I, I just, I wanted, it, it, unless we really, really couldn't and it would be a deal breaker and it's cost point yep. too, I really wanted to just make it to be the show. Yeah. And how did they deliver their notes to you? Uh, email and phone calls. Email and phone and calls. And Nobody calls. came out. Uh, no, they didn't actually. So I had a, yeah, the whole relationship with Amazon was, um, Phone and email. Okay. How, was that? Was, did that work? Yeah, it did. They were. They were. They were. They were very good at it. I've subsequently yeah. got to know them, and yeah. um, they they were very helpful notes. They, they actually that was interesting. Amazon had a very specific system where you had to upload your episodes through this sort of portal of theirs, and at the same time, 
they you had to do almost like a chronology time a timeline with time code against it and so they could go in and with their notes benchmark against that and give you notes it was i'd never seen anything like it before wow. but it was actually kind of cool that would be mm. quite helpful yeah it actually. was yeah okay well that was useful that they shared a vision yeah. Well, presumably you'd sold them the vision so yeah. well with one of your that many was pictures it. that they, yeah. they and they, actually they loved the scripts and, yeah. the, and they wanted to go, you know, always yeah. honour the script. So yeah. if directors maybe took it some ways slightly differently, we could all just bring it back to the script. Yeah, which is helpful. Helpful. Very helpful. Mm -hmm. Follow up to that idea. Was anyone watching Dave outside the production? Mm -hmm. So that was going. Yes. Foxtel and, and Amazon. Yep. Did you get any sort of nudges through through that? There was some moments that didn't make it to the final cut. Mm -hmm. Okay, but um, <laughs> but I think they were they were they were pretty excited by it too. I have to say, mm. but yeah, there were some moments where it was. I don't think we ever went back and reshot something. For example, I can't think of a of a case of that. But mm. okay, mm. so you you screened at the Rock, which must have been extraordinary. Yeah, it was. It was so cool. So, Foxtel who are brilliant. So I think that's the thing with your partners, your broadcast partners, is you want them to have the ambition for the project, same as you. But you also want them to have the capacity to help you take it to market. And I have to say, that's where Foxtel are also amazing. They really know, they, they back their projects and they spend money on their, their campaigns and they really did a big splashy thing. So we had... A, they, they trucked in all these journalists from around Australia, from you know, all the media. And uh, the, the, the plan was to um, have a, a tour and then a picnic at the base of the rock in these gorgeous tents. But the rock had its magic <laughs> and blew the tents away. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we had it inside. But, um, but, <laughs> but that was a terrifying moment for me. He, because at that very same place, we screened episode one. So there we were in a room full of journalists oh, around yeah. the country. Yeah. No one had seen it before. So, I mean, you know, my heart was just in my mouth it the whole time. It was completed? Yeah. So it was, it was... It was finished. But they it was like a room like this, not proper lighting. Oh, which So I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> and your know, light's hitting the scene. So I'm sliding <laughs> off my chair going, Jesus, and the... the Colour was all off. Anyway, we got an amazing first review. And so uh, that's exactly what you want because yeah. it's the tastemaker. And then, you know, I mean, people are going to say what they want and they did, but generally they all lined up behind that first review and that was how they framed it. One other sort of slightly backwards question for me too. When did the composer come on board? Because the, the sound, you know, because it is a, mm. What, mm. What, some, what was your wonderful phrase? Chilling. Enchanted chiller. Enchanted chiller. <laughs> all the, the building of the atmosphere mm. and the kind of dynamic mm. of how that mm -hmm. works is, is really specific to yeah. this and the melding of kind of timeless and very modern. So yeah. were they... Cesare, no, he didn't come on to a post. We had oh, okay. someone who was going to do it and then for other reasons had to step away. Right. So it would have been better. To have someone earlier. Totally. Right, yeah. Um, and, I mean, we had some rotten luck. Our beautiful... Um, sound designer who had been there from the very beginning recording all these really arcane sound effects. He died. Oh. Yeah, it was such a loss to the industry. He was a brilliant man. And so we had to start again there too. Yeah. That must have been terrible. Oh, it was, well, 
was, yeah, yeah, yeah. terrible yeah. for him yeah. and his family. Yeah. Mm. Okay, because, I mean, it, it is a very, when you see it, mm. I mean, it is very distinctive. So, yeah. question? I'm not really proud of the sound design. Cesare, yeah, amazing, yeah, yeah, he, I know, he, he's extraordinary, and he just, he worked with his, his son, Jan, as well, and did some of the work too, and um, yeah, I think the score and the soundscape is something else on this, it's just the detail. It's and very detailed. They were just the most extraordinary team, they would just go again and again and again, because it was just, for them, it was such a chance to be so, um, I mean, sound is always a part of the storytelling, but it was really front and centre in a lot of ways. So their moment to shine. And just skipping to the end, your international stuff yep. started in Berlin yep. in terms of the, so that was about, well, that was about presenting to a European audience. Mm -hmm. so getting, we, getting critics. Yeah, so we... Um, that was, yeah, that was fun. So we were selected to open the television section of the Berlin Film Festival, which was, you know, so cool and fun. And um, all six episodes? No, we screened the first two. Yeah. And uh, that, we, that same day, uh, Deutschland Berlin, uh, Deutschland Telekom, I should say, were our German broadcasters. And so they did a big launch around because they had all the cast. We had a lot of the cast over for that. And it was so great. So, you know, we'd had our Australian response to it and I was really so relieved, thrilled, excited. But then you think, oh, my God, how's it going to go internationally? And uh, so the next day after we'd had this screening, and you sort of feel, I mean, as a TV producer, you never, this was so much more of a film experience yeah. to have this sort of afterlife of marketing around the world and I'd never experienced it before. And so you had this, you had this screening and it was well-received and there was lovely buzz and feedback in the room, but then we felt really flat, you know, mm. oh, that was it. And so, but then the next day, just before we flew out, the Hollywood Reporter and, yeah, it was the Hollywood Reporter Review came in and it was a ripper. And <laughs> uh, so it was like, oh my God, how fabulous that it worked internationally as well. And uh, it was... when you have a glass of champagne at the airport. We did. Yeah, I bet. And, <laughs> but, and it was so beautiful to be able to share that with Larissa was there yeah. and uh, the cast and just sort of go, my God, because it, it was bloody tough shoot. Yeah. Um, it was worth it, maybe, yeah. Maybe. No, it was. It was. Well, it was, it was, it was. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> and Tribeca. And, and then, yeah, we went and to... And that was the American... That was, that the, was the American launch for launch. Amazon. And then Variety were very kind to us as well. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah, I mean, that's all kind of online. Mm. I, I, I read this somewhere which I thought was fabulous, and I wondered what you thought about it, and I hope this is going to make you want to watch it. Um, I mean, the tone, of, the tone of this series is really distinctive, mm -hmm. and I know how hard it is to, to do that and to have it or get, feel organic, and it really does, the mm, fact that good. it's layered so beautifully. And these are not my words, but somebody described it as an Alice in Wonderland psychedelic gothic bush aesthetic. <laughs> and can I tell you, I think Larissa has that on a T-shirt. She loved that quote. <laughs> well, I think as the, as the person who started it all off and who's talking about it with us today, I'd just like to congratulate Thank you because that's a wonderful thing. Thank you. Thank you. So any, any questions? Any other questions? I've been told all the time that period drums are hard to find. Yep. Is that 
I think that is true. We're always told that. By, they, they will only take maybe one a year, a lot of them, because they feel that it's a barrier to entry for younger audiences in particular, is the, is the wisdom. Uh, but I think for us, it was, it was about young girls. Um, and I think we, we, we didn't want it to be a static version of the period. We wanted to make it a visceral experience of being a young person in the time. And so, and even with dialogue and just the approach, so we tried to make it feel more um, alive, I guess, Very rather immersive. than static. Yeah. 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 Relating to that. So do you think that that was in the pilot script? Because as yep. soon as you see the visuals, you understand. But, but that yeah. feels like something. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. It, just the way she, the language and the way she approached it. Mm. Oh, I think they dubbed it. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Not at the screening. Not at the screening. It was, um, it was just in English, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, it was just in English. So when you delivered it, was it just in Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was... They, it, it sort of goes down dark wormholes, doesn't it, where they then go and dub it in different languages. And um, I don't know if you've had the experience I did recently with Netflix. I was watching... Um, what's that amazing series... Babylon Berlin. Mm. And so I'd been watching it with the in German with the English subtitles and it was great. And then someday randomly we were watching it and it had flicked over to being dubbed in English. It was awful. It was just totally changed the experience. So yeah. I can't imagine what that does. Anyway, they're probably more used to it than we are. Yeah, they are used to it. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. Mm. No, they only took North America, which was actually for us as producers, brilliant, because it meant that we... So it played... Um, it was a big sale to BBC Two, uh, Canal Plus, uh, I forget which, Rai in Italy, and we said um, uh, Deutsche and uh, Telecom. And financially, it's for... Apparently, on the lineup of all of Fremantle's um, international sales, it's one, of, it's one of the top sellers for them. So it's, it's found an audience and it's made money, which is so great because it just gives them the confidence to do it again, which they are, say, with the luminaries, right? So um, I think that's great for all of us that our con content in our language, our accent of English can sell. And uh, that's you know, really important for the next one and the next one. Yep, some days you don't feel like you do. Uh, it's, you've just got to try and hold your vision and just try and... It's, it can be a bit white-knuckled at times, but um, I think it's... The, the, the big thing I would say about that is the importance of pre-production. We were talking about the importance of script, and I think the preparation is everything, not just for your scripts, but for everything. So that you've got to... If you go into a, in, into a shoot and everyone feels that they're making the same show you have a much, much, much better chance of that not being an issue because you're all following a vision. And so you've got, a, a, again, you've got, you've, you know what you're all doing. I'm going to ask the last question because <sighs> I want, wanted to know. I mean, there's a couple of things that, that come at you from the experience of the first two, two hours and, and then something that you spoke about when you, when you, when you introduced the series 
about it speaking to us now, which is the other thing about period mm. material, that it's really much more about us now than it is about us then. You that's, know, yeah, that, that's very, that. true, very true. So, so there's a kind of queer subtext through this, mm -hmm. the, at least the first two episodes, yep. which I imagine gets developed in some way yep. or another. And, and then the other, the other thing you sort of pointed, referenced, was the importance of 1900 to white Australia. Mm. Where does that sit for you now with the experience of audiences in Australia and, and where... And, and you reimagining this kind of origin, one of the origin stories, yeah. isn't it, of, of modern Australia yeah. in its own, own yeah. way. How do you feel about all that? Well, you can't help but, I guess, put your, your contemporary socialisation and understanding on the world in it. And I think, so you could be perhaps more frank about things that you, you maybe would be more oblique about, even in the, the film, I think. Mm. Uh, so we can be more honest about things, um, but it wasn't, uh, we didn't try to impose or find no, a gay the... subplot. It was out of the, the, the novel itself that, you know, B remarked, why would, why would this young man look at this other young man getting undressed and stand next to him naked? You know, it was, it, so she felt that there was a le very legitimate subtext to, to unpack. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and still only kind of hint at, it's not totally explicit, but um, it's pretty clear. <laughs> And yeah. that's part of the, all the questions that fell out of the story for yeah, you. Yeah, it's a big piece about identity. Yeah. How can you be your authentic self and be that through your um, sexuality, your gender? Uh, you know, it it's, has a lot about English people being banished from their home country to come here to reinvent re, re themselves and to run from secrets from, from their past. Uh, but that the truth ultimately, I think really... We, we would say that the truth ultimately does out. It's a good thing to end on, I think. Thank you very much, Jo. Thank you. Thank you. The Big Screen Symposium is brought to you by Script to Screen and Janda. We would like to thank our event partners, the New Zealand Film Commission, New Zealand On Air, Images and Sound, Screen Auckland, and Stage and Screen Travel Services. Voiceover was provided by Samantha Dukes and music by Poddington Bear.